0: Lord, we just, uh, we just pray that you speak to us. We're, we're such a, a needy generation of people that always need reminded who you are and who we are. Just be patient with us. We thank you for your patience. David talks about it going on and on, your patience and love and forgiveness abundant. Thank you. Thank you for being who you are. Thank you for Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Why is evidence so important to us? Um, If you go to a court of law, there's a Latin term, it's uh, habeas quad. It means body of evidence. And if you talk to any good convict, he'll tell you, if you've killed somebody, the number one thing is to get rid of the body because you can beat the case if you can get rid of the body of evidence. Evidence is the most essential thing. And in our life, as Christians, we look for evidence constantly. The world looks for evidence. We see it today on the TV. We see one event that can happen and there can be an argument about the evidence and a debate on what that means, depending on who's looking at the evidence. I want to talk about something that is a basis for our evidence of who Jesus is. And the evidence that we have with who Jesus is, it lays about 6,420 miles exactly southeast of here. Um, if you was to take a straight line and draw it, or as they say, as the crow flies, that distance would lead you to a mountain. The mountain is called Moriah. And there's a, this is a very, very important place. It's one of the most Sought after areas. This area is fought, this ground is fought over for years. It will continue to be fought over and one day it will be the resting place of the new Jerusalem uh, that will come out of the heavens. But this mountain has a body of evidence in a, um, in a ruins uh, there you can go, you can actually fly there and you can see, you can put your hands on, you can feel, you can smell. You can see the evidence of what was once the second temple uh, of Israel. The western wall is still there. And it cries out as evidence for what we believe um, This place is so special, a lot of people don't know this, but do you know that that place, that foundation where that temple was, is the place of our promise? It's the place that we were first to see the glimpse of Jesus was on Mount Moriah. If you look in the book of Genesis, the exact place where this temple ruin is, where the Jewish temple stood, is the place that Abraham took Isaac for the sacrifice. He laid Isaac on the altar that he had built and he was ready to give up Isaac, his only son, for God. Because it said he feared God. When God seen he feared him, he knew he loved him too. And he stopped him right in the middle of that. And for the first time, we see kind of a a precursor or a glimpse of what God would do for us. A glimpse of what Jesus would be through Isaac and Abraham. And on that place... God said, stop, there was a ram that was found, and it, God had provided, and they call the mountain essentially as known as God will provide. So that same place that this occurred is the resting place of the temple, and it has always been the eternal place of our promise of who Jesus was. The rocks cry out as evidence and the ruins cry out as evidence. But I'm telling you this, that if that temple still stood today, it wouldn't be our evidence. See, the fact that it was destroyed is evidence of something that we build our faith around. And you say, well, what is that? That doesn't really make sense to me. Now, you have to, you have to understand, you have to put yourself back in the place. Rome was a world power. Rome dominated All of um, the known modern world of the time. They had a troublesome group that they had to keep control of. The governor of that area was Pilate at the time. And they were were the Jews. And uh, they were having some problems. There was a rabbi that was uh, a real thorn in Rome's heel. He was doing things and there was being reports back to them that he was performing miracles and that he was the rabbi that had been prophesied for hundreds of years through that people would come and be their conquering king. This was a problem. And the problem grew and grew over the three, three and a half years of Jesus' life till it finally came to a head and Rome had to do something with it because there was a conflict between the known religious leaders of the time and this troublesome rabbi. And Rome thought, well... The best solution was, we got to kill him. So, the decision was to snuff out the problem. And they killed him. And they thought it was all great. Everything had been taken care of. Them Jews will go back to sacrificing in the temple. They'll be hunky-dory and everything will just work out great. But there was a problem when a battalion of Roman highly trained guards came running back and said... Captain, we got a problem. You won't believe this, but it was an angel of light. We fell, and, and the body's gone. What are we going to do? At that point, the first domino had fell that would bring Rome down. It started an eternal effect that would eventually lead to the world's power failing. Rome did everything they could over the next 40 years to quiet the problem, but accounts of the Messiah appearing to people after he had been dead. And then uh, something they couldn't explain that happened in the temple where there was a rush of fire and wind and and these 12 troublesome disciples suddenly bore the first church and 3,000 of these Jewish followers became followers of the way. At that point, they had a huge problem. They tried to make up a lie that those men, those disciples, and Islam goes with this too, that they went and stole that body. And it's so laughable to me to think that this is how they tried to cover it up. First of all, you're telling me that 11 cowards that abandoned Jesus was going to go and try to fight an outnumbered group of highly trained men with the best armament and the best weaponry of that time and then try to convince them to go tell their leaders that they really didn't steal him, that it was an angel. That makes no sense to me. And secondly we all can agree that somebody will risk their life for the truth. But no one will risk their life for a lie. And if they were to go and try to steal the body, that meant they were supporting a lie. They weren't going to risk their life for that. So that made no sense at all. So, Rome did the only thing that they could think. They started persecuting the Christians. They started burning them. They started throwing them to the lions in the Colosseums. The evidence of fallen Rome is still over there right now, and you can see it. But it didn't work. The last thing they could do, they had to break the only tie these these Christians had. And for that, they'd have to extinguish the Jews too. They started killing the Jews, but it wasn't enough. They had to destroy the one thing that tied them to the area. Just like if you have a nest of cockroaches, you kill the ones that come out of the nest, it's not going to work. You've got to kill the problem. They said, we have to destroy the temple. And when they destroyed the temple, it left eternal evidence to you and I, not of Jesus' life, but that there was an empty grave they couldn't explain. You see, that is who he really was. And that is who Rome tried to hide was the fact that he was the Passover lamb, the prophesied Messiah. And those rocks cry out as evidence to us today for what we believe. Even the Jews deny the fact that their fallen temple was because He was the uh, Messiah. The world tries to not see the evidence, but it's been revealed to us, the truth. Um, that's what's amazing is that God chose you and I to reveal those truths to us. Can you pull up Matthew eleven twenty five? 25? At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father... Lord in heaven and earth because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Do you realize that you're the one that God chose to reveal the deep truths and the deep mysteries to? We're not learned people. We got maybe two people in here with a PhD and their field of study is so far away from theology it doesn't even count. Okay, I'm just going to say. We're just saying. He chose the things that we see as obvious as the layman people to reveal to us. But the people of this world just tend to look at the evidence and, and they still can't see it for what it is. It's almost as if Satan has a spell on them. And you see this a lot today. I mean, if I can't convince somebody the truth of who Jesus is, we're having a hard time convincing somebody that a man's a man and a woman's a woman. Today, how easy is that? I mean, it's a, it's a blindness, almost like a curse that you can't see, but it's been revealed to us. We have the burden of the evidence on us. And that has been not only revealed to us, but it has, in a way, been charged to us to give to the world. Can you also pull up uh, 1 Corinthians 1.27, please? But God chose the foolish, foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And he chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. See, we're called fools for believing in this storybook, right? But we see the truth. God has revealed the veil from our eyes to see Jesus for who He really is. And now we're given this, this task to the world, to an unbelieving world that has been blinded by the prince of power of darkness to show Him the truth. We can walk over there and see that fallen temple. We can see the evidence of who Jesus really was. That evidence cries out there was an empty tomb. But the rest of the world doesn't see this. Only us. But see, God gave us something, as Christians, to witness to the world that it's something that the devil can't fight. It's guaranteed that he will be defeated by this, and this is only of the first half of it. Would you bring up a uh, cult? Would you bring up uh, Revelation twelve eleven? Says here, they triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much. As to shrink from death. See, the first half of that verse God gives us here is a lethal combination. It's like putting a bullet in the gun, okay? One apart from the other doesn't work. The blood of the Lamb, we see the truth of who the Lamb is. We can see the evidence, what I just talked about. One of the main things that tells us who He really was, He was not in that grave, and that grave was empty because He was the spotless Lamb, the chosen Messiah, the Son of God. But then there's a second part of that that he says is going to defeat the Lamb. He says the saints will use this to defeat the Lamb. And it's the word of our testimony. How does those two go together? See, to tell people about Jesus, we have to show him who Jesus was. And then we have to show him who Jesus is to us. We have to show, like Israel, that we were once enslaved. We were once um, ruled by things in our life. And Jesus gave us freedom from that. It could be a lot of things. It could be uh, addictions. It could be hate, malice, envy. It could be lust. It could be all these things. All those things lay as ruins in your life. But it's ruins of the evidence of who Jesus is and where he's brought you to now. And when you take the two of those and put them together, you take the blood of the Lamb and show people who Jesus really is and you show him the word of your testimony, who he is to you, and you put them together, the devil won't stand. He's going to be defeated every time. It's a guaranteed combination. He says that when we, these two come together, that, that he will be defeated. Okay, It's a beautiful thing, and it's a special weapon that he's forged in each person's life, and everyone's been forged in a different way. Everybody's life is different, everybody's struggles different. But knowing that God has pulled you out of that and He has done this in you, what do you do with that? I mean, we're all called, no, we're all commanded to go into the world and share the gospel. Too often, we try to look at the fact that we know the truth of who Jesus really is in that that testimony, but we try to kind of hold it back and we try to hide the ruins in our life, right? The things that were destroyed that show really that Jesus did it all and brought us out. We try to hide that. And we look at it kind of like some of the younger crowd in here will get it. It's kind of like playing a video game. It's like those bonus points that you pick up. It doesn't really win the game for you. It's just kind of like an extra thing. So I can get through my Christian life, and I don't really have to tell anybody about Jesus. I'm just a good little boy and girl, and I go to church, and I read my Bible, and I pray, and I I was baptized. But um, it's not really essential to win the game to tell other people. Let me tell you right now, that... That's cultural Christianity as we like to say it. You are commanded. This is, this is commanded for you to go into all the world. The Great Commission says that we have to go. We have to show who Jesus is. and Then we have to show those things that we try to hide in our life that Jesus brought us out, out of. We have to show that to the world too because when somebody sees that, the combination is so lethal, they realize, well, you know what? I'm... I'm not weird. I'm not different than this person. I thought they were so much better than me. I thought they had it all together. But when they see that combination, they see the ruins in your life and they understand who Jesus is, the power that comes out of that is a saving power. It really is. And um, so many people, um, they want to hide that. And that actually defeats what our purpose is as Christians and as being open and transparent about the things that we struggle with. Um, We have to understand that I know we don't save anybody. The Holy Spirit saves them. You have to understand that. All we do by doing this is we arrange the meeting. We introduce them to the Holy Spirit. I want you to think of it in a medical perspective. Somebody that's sick and has got a disease. The needle in the syringe doesn't save them, does it? The antidote inside does. All the needle in the syringe does is play the part that we play it makes the introduction. And the Holy Spirit does the rest, right? And that's what our, we are called to do. So I want to just tell you, don't hide your past. Don't hide the things that are, you think are the ugly ruins in your life. Because that is the evidence of who Jesus is to you. Can you bring up uh, Acts 1.8? But you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to all the ends of the earth. See, we've got people going to the ends of the earth right now. I'm proud of the Jesus Center. I'll tell you that right now. But we have people right here, right now, that are in desperate need. Every day when you go to work or you go to the gym or you go to school or wherever it is, I want to put you on something that you need to practice. I want you on that drive, I want you to pray, God, you got somebody picked out for me today. One person, you've made an arrangement that I'm supposed to meet and I'm supposed to share this with. I got in this practice when I drive to the prison a lot of times, and it's amazing. I thought that was my phone. (laughs) It's amazing how often God will put somebody in your place. And God will have exactly the right things that they need to say. Can you bring up one more scripture? And this is going to be one of my closing thoughts. It's uh, 1 Peter 3.15. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. See, we're called to always be ready With that reason. It's like having that gun chambered. You don't carry it around (laughs) unchambered. You always have it ready to go. So know your testimony. Just like um, the word of your testimony. The thing that we had talked about. Always be ready and be willing to share that. Because when you combine that with the evidence of who Jesus is. And the evidence in your life. It's a great thing. It's going to change lives. It's going to introduce people to Jesus Christ don't hide your evidence, don't hide the body of evidence of who He is and who He is to you. I want you to remember that today and I want everybody here to make a promise to me in your heart sometime today as you're going to wherever, or this week as you go to wherever you're going, I want you to pray a specific prayer that God has one predestined person that you're going to make an arrangement and a meeting with and then I want you to be ready to have that bullet chambered and be ready to let it fly. I promise you, I've seen this over and over in my life, that person will pop out of nowhere and it's amazing. And not only that, when you experience that, the faith it builds in you, you're like, wow, my God's still living. He did walk out of that grave and He's still changing life today. You'll experience it, I promise you that. And I challenge you, if you have that experience next week, share it. Share it, because it'll be the word of your testimony, and it'll be power for all of us. Let's remember that as we pray, okay? God, we are the hope for a world that's dying. We are the hope for a world that's passing away. Your evidence still is there, not just on Mount Moriah, but in the mountains of our heart, God. The, the places that you made the promises, the places of your promises in our hearts, Lord. The place, places of the promises that you've made in our lives. You made it to the world, but you made it to us individually too, God. We know that our God's not a... You're not a liar, you're a promise keeper. You don't make an empty, idle promise. You will provide. You always have, Lord. And we just pray that you'll provide through us. Give us the... Um. give us the honor of providing for somebody out there through us. It is such an honor to be chosen and to be picked out of the masses to be a Christian, Father. You picked us out, Lord. Use us to pick others, Lord. Lord, unveil their eyes so they see the truth. Lord, we pray that the curse, that the that Satan has over so many of these people, the darkness they have over their eyes and their the eyes of their heart, Lord. Help us to pull back that, that curtain so they can see truth through us this week. And God, then by the word of our testimony, we pray next week that there's some amazing testimonies in here of what God has done, what you allowed us to be a part of, Lord. We thank you for that, Jesus, and we just eagerly, eagerly await that. It's in your Son's name. Amen.